Again, it's good to see all of you out this morning. I was telling you when I requested that song, it's hard to sing a song about standing, sitting down. At least it is for me. That's why I asked him to stand on that one. We're glad to see all of you out this morning, and, and it's good to be here with you. In the bulletin, uh, I started a series of articles that are going to be based on what I wish that those outside of the churches of Christ knew about us. There are common misconceptions and things that people believe that may not even be true. There are many things that I want people to think about and to know whenever I try to talk to them about the gospel. And so this is the first one. I don't know how many there are going to be, but I've got at least two more in mind and a few others after that maybe. So uh, this will go on for a few weeks. But hopefully they can be shared. Hopefully they can be used to help to encourage someone who is not a member of the church. Our sermon series is continuing today. Our Marriages of the Bible Study. And today's lesson is one that was of, of a lot of interest to me as I studied it. I had another one in mind. Uh, I thought about doing a lesson on Ahasuerus and Esther. And as I got to looking at it, I was like, well, I can't really do it much different than I've already done lessons on Esther before. But I saw this one too, and so I read through it and the material. And I like the idea of this one. I can't think of any lesson, any sermon that I've ever heard based on the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. We've heard sermons about John the Baptist and many of the things that, that regarded his life, but we very seldom ever study the lives of his parents. So today's lesson is the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Faith in the impossible. As was the case with the story of Boaz and Ruth, we read of great faithfulness to God in the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. They are not your average Jews. Zacharias as a priest would have known the scriptures well and Elizabeth equally well as the daughter of a priest. And they were righteous they walked before the Lord blamelessly, as we're told in Luke chapter 1 and verse 6. We understand that they faced their share of problems, namely that they were barren. God promised them a son, a very special son, who would become the forerunner of Jesus Christ himself. And they put their faith in God to provide. Together, their marriage is a great example of what pleases God. Even today, the same principles that apply to them are those that apply to us. And we do, would do well to follow their example. Let's begin by looking what, at what we know about the marriage of Zacharias and Elizabeth. We see that Luke introduces them to us in the beginning of the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 we read this. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was 
Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. Zacharias was a priest of the tribe of Aaron of the division of Abijah. And Elizabeth was of the daughters of Aaron, the priestly tribe. And they were equally devoted to serving God. And it says here that they were both righteous. That's very important. The only problem that we read of in their marriage was a rather big one. They had no children. And they were well advanced in years. Without a child, especially a son, there was no one to receive an inheritance or to care for them as they got older. There was no one to, to carry the family name and history. And we can imagine the sufferings of Zacharias and Elizabeth learning in verse 13 that they had prayed for a child. Later we see those prayers were answered. We understand that their childlessness was not a matter of choice. They wanted children, but they were unable to have them. This may have brought about arguments or some kind of strife at times. We don't know. But it was something that did plague them to some degree. Despite their difficulties, they were about to experience joy in the birth of a son. The next few verses we read of the promise of God. An angel appeared to Zacharias. In Luke 1 and verse 8, and reading through verse 12, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Now we have to understand a little bit about the custom of the priesthood. Richard L. Strauss in his book, Living in Love, which is where I gather a lot of the ideas for these lessons that I've done, he said this, It was his turn to minister before the golden altar of incense in the holy place, possibly for the first time in his priestly service. The priests had been divided into 24 courses by King David, and the order of Abijah, to which Zacharias belonged, was the eighth in line. Each course would be called to minister in the temple on only two occasions 
during the entire year, each occasion lasting for one week. With nearly a thousand priests in each course, it becomes evident that entering the holy place and kindling the incense upon the golden altar was quite possible a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But this was Zacharias's day. The whole multitude was praying outside while Zacharias was in the temple doing his priestly duties. When Zacharias saw the angel, he was initially afraid. Many times we read of angels. One of the things that we brought out in one of our Bible classes not too long ago uh, about angels. I remember Kurt mentioning the song Whispering Hope and how whenever we read of angels, we usually don't read of them whispering. I don't know that we ever do in Scripture. But many times people are afraid and they have to calm them down. And this is one of those instances where the angel has to calm Zacharias down because he's afraid. Do not be afraid. Picking up with verse 13 of Luke 1. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. Now read that later on, whenever John is circumcised, that the people want to call him Zacharias after his father. But the angel says very clearly here, you shall call his name John. In verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness. Can you imagine the, the heartbreak that must have, have been between these two, realizing that they were unable to have children? And yet the angel says, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. His mission was to have them repent. Later on, the mission of the apostles was to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, bringing them to repentance. In verse 17, he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. A child will be born to Zacharias and Elizabeth despite their age and the name to be given him was John. John would be great in the sight of the Lord, according to verse 15. Not drinking wine nor strong drink and being filled with the Holy Spirit. John would teach many Jews to repent and return to, to serving God, preparing the way for Christ. Now Zacharias 
questioning the things told him, asked for a sign. How will I know? To go with verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now remember that Zacharias is a priest. He, he's well studied in the Scriptures, well studied in the words of God. He knows all the things that, that God is able to do, or at least He should. But he questions, how shall I know this? Verse 19, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. Verse 21. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. He would remain mute and speechless until the birth of John. According to the promise, we read that Elizabeth was able to conceive. Luke 1 and verse 23, So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among my people. As we continue in the chapter 1, we see that Gabriel, the same angel who appeared to Zacharias, also appeared to someone else. Gabriel appeared to Mary, who was to be the mother of Jesus and told her about Elizabeth as well as her own conception. Verse 29 But when she saw him she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. We shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called 
barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. It seemed impossible that Zacharias and Elizabeth could conceive a child, but they did. It seemed impossible for Abraham and Sarah, but they did. Just as God had promised, He provided what He had promised. I'm picking up with verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. <coughs> then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth had been told of the news of Mary and her expectation of Jesus. Elizabeth provided great comfort to Mary, sharing a common bond that only the two of them shared. The children that would be born to them were children of impossibility. Elizabeth, because of her age, Mary's because she had not known a man in such a way as to conceive. She was a virgin. God is able to do the impossible. And certainly we see in both of these cases, in the birth of both of these children, that God, according to His promises, was able to do what man would consider impossible. Never underestimate the power of God. And finally, at the end of the chapter, we read of the birth of John. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. They didn't believe her. In verse 61, they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have, would have him called. 
And in verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. And fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. These were amazing things, and they were the talk of the land. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now customarily, the child would be named after his father. When Elizabeth corrected them, that they didn't understand and and they tried to ask Zacharias. It seems that Zacharias was not only mute but also deaf as they made signs to him to find out what the child should be named. And Zacharias confirmed that the child's name was to be John according to the words of the angel Gabriel. And from his beginning people wondered what kind of child will this be? Even later in life, as we read the descriptions of him, people ask, what kind of man is this? Look at how he's dressed. Look at the things that he eats. What kind of man is this? And it says at the end of verse 66, that the hand of God was with him. From his beginning, the hand of God was with him. He had a mission to prepare the way for Jesus. And in all that he did, the hand of God was with him. And finally, as we get to the end of, of this chapter, we read the words of Zacharias concerning his son. Beginning with verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and, shadow, and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. This child was to be great. What a blessing to Zacharias and to Elizabeth who, who were unable to conceive and, and yet by the hand of the one who can perform the impossible, they were able to conceive. And the child that they 
conceived was one of the greatest heroes of Scripture. Zacharias and Elizabeth trusted in God to provide what He had promised them. Similar to the story of Abraham and Sarah, they were older before they were granted a child, a son. The remarkability of this occasion goes beyond the conception of an aged couple and extends to who the child was to be. We are reminded here of the power of God. The power that He still possesses today to open closed wombs as He did for Sarah, Rachel, as He did for Elizabeth. We're reminded of the power of God to perform mighty miracles such as He did in the plagues and in the parting of the Red Sea and so many others. We're reminded of His power and authority. The power and authority that are given to Jesus such that He could still storms and bring life to the dead. Regarding the ability of the rich to enter heaven, we read this in Mark chapter 10, verses 23 through 27. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. As difficult as it would be for someone who is rich to give up their riches and to serve God, it is possible with God. Who then can be saved? With men it is impossible, but it's possible with God. You know, we even think of our own salvation. We think of ourselves and and where we stand before God. If we forget for a moment that Christ died on the cross, we realize our sinful state. You see, before Christ came, there was no ability for us to be saved. Until He shed His blood, until that blood was able to cover our sins, we could not be saved. It would be impossible for me to be saved on my own account. 
because of something that I did. Because I have sin in my past and, and even in my present. Because of that, it is impossible for me to save myself before God. Impossible. But Jesus came. He was born. He lived. He died a cruel death, a cruel punishment for a criminal. A punishment that I deserved. A punishment that you deserved. He died on that cross. He shed His blood on my behalf. He was buried and three days later He arose from the grave. And His resurrection meant that I also could be resurrected to walk in a different way. To walk in what we often refer to as the newness of life. A different person. When we are baptized, we are baptized according to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we die when we repent of our sins. We are buried. We are raised from that watery grave. Resurrected just like Jesus was. And when we are resurrected, we're a different person. We look exactly the same as we did when we went down into the water. But when we are raised, we're a different person. Our sins have been taken from us. We have the ability to be forgiven of anything that we do in the future. Anything that we wish to, to be repentant of. We are offered these things through God's grace and mercy because of His great power. Even today, God has the power to soften hardened hearts, to understand His words and will. Even the most hardened criminals can be brought to obedience and faithful service. I've heard of murderers who have obeyed the gospel, who have repented, who have been baptized for the mission of their sins. Raised to walk in the newness of life just like we are. It's not face the consequences of their actions. They still have to face the, the punishment of the pain and anguish that they suffer because of what they've done. But they're saved in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter who you are. And it doesn't matter what you've done. God's love is never ending toward us. 
2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, one of my favorite verses. God is unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you're in need of coming to God today with a penitent heart, the heart ready to serve Him, then we offer you an invitation. If you're in need of obeying the gospel, if you need to repent and confess and be baptized for the remission of your sin, be glad to take care of that need in your life as well. God is able to do the impossible. And He is able to perform mighty wonders within our lives if we allow Him to. But He asks us to come to Him, to offer our lives to Him in faithful service and obedience. If you need to come today, we offer you that opportunity and that invitation the invitation that is not mine to offer, but is God's. We offer this invitation. Will you come as we stand and sing?